You're listening to The Building Code, your guide for a better way to run your business. I'm Tom Houghton. Hey, Tom. Paul here. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Good. Long Good. time no talk. I got, yeah, you know, it's obviously everybody knows it's been a strange time since, you know, beginning of March 2020. I don't know if you're listening to this in 2022. Let me tell you something about COVID. Yeah. Give you a little <laughs> you history lesson. <laughs> Let's hope it's over by then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen each other in a while. I know. Well, th- we, we got a good one. We've got a great one today. Joining us today is Steve Tankersley from Tankersley Construction. They're based in uh, Northern California, kind of in the Folsom area. And we've got a great podcast. We're going to be talking about lots of things, about organization for your business. We're going to talk about managing growth. Um, analysis and job costing, super important things. So you're going to make sure you listen to the entire episode because like I said, we're covering lots of great information um, and Steve has got some great insight for this. So let's start off just by talking to Steve about how he got started. So Steve, give us a little background on your business. Hey, so yeah, we started the company uh, about three and a half years ago, full time. Before that, my wife and I had always been in commercial construction and always saw a need in the industry from the difference between commercial construction, residential, and the, the lack of professionalism and organization and project management all together. So about three and a half years ago, we took le- the leap and started this business um, full time. And it's been, uh, been pretty crazy since. So our, really our goal is to kind of apply that large scale commercial project management experience to small residential homeowners and smaller commercial property owners. You know, everything, some of the same principles we applied in 100, 200 million dollar projects to, you know, 10 to 100 thousand dollar projects. That's a really cool concept. I mean, obviously, that's close to to our hearts here at Build-A-Trend because we've been pushing for, um, you know, more organization, more processes, more systems in the residential world. And so it's good that you saw that as well. Um, how have you found that working? I mean, is that a, a, a differentiator for you and your your company? Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, we we actually found Builder Trend when we first started. I was so used to these other uh, big project management software systems at our old companies, and I was we we're kind of looking for something that we could use and implement rather than our Excel spreadsheets and emails. Um, and my wife Heather, she actually found Builder Trend, and it really keeps us all organized on one place and gives us that differentiator with our competition. So um, it's working out great to answer your question. People are impressed from day one because I can pull up a project and show them what we're doing. Um, and just that thoroughness really protects everyone, protects the client and protects us on a project um, to make sure that everyone's best interests are met and we're documenting things appropriately. So you're, you're definitely selling the organization, your organization's organization, because yeah. I think uh, that's one thing that, you know, there's many, many companies that are very organized and have great systems, but they don't, they don't even see that as something that they should be selling during the sales process. And in, in the perception of construction, especially residential, you should be, if you are organized and you have systems, you should be talking about them during the sales process for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I'll uh, actually bring my tablet to a sales presentation um, or a meeting. I, you know, I don't really call it sales presentation, initial meeting. I'll go there and, and talk to the client about their project and they ask, well, you know, maybe what sets you apart or, you know, how, what's your process? And I go, have you ever heard of software called Builder Trend? And usually they haven't. And so let me show you and pull it up. Here's a, here's a project, you know, it's about two miles away from your house. It's going on right now. I can pull the daily reports. I can pull up the schedule. I can show them how the whole process looks. 
um, on an actual project in real time and um, what they can expect. And usually they're, they're pretty floored. Um, people will say, I've never seen like this before, and especially in construction, residential construction. Um, and a lot of times we work, uh, we work for a lot of people who work in construction. We work for large project managers, um, Army Corps people, um, and they love it, right? It's what they're used yeah. to in their profession. And um, just like any other project management, whether you're building a space shuttle or building a house, right? You got to have systems in place and this kind of gives us that system where you can use it in that sales process. That's great. So it sounds like you're applying some large scale project management stuff that you've learned to the uh, residential side. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, a little background about myself. Um, I grew up in construction. My dad was a plumber and kind of grew up with, uh, you know, pipe wrench in one hand and helping him out um, through high school. And then, uh, you know, decided, you know, he told me not you, well, don't go into the trades, you know, you don't want to do that. And I, I was like, well, you know, I like construction. You know, I, I think that he was kind of giving me some flawed advice, but he said, go to college, right? So I went to college for construction management. And then while I was there, I was a carpenter for a home remodeling company in town. Then it went from there, I got my degree in engineering and construction management, went to work for some really big companies, some of the, some of the biggest ones in the world and trying traveling all over and I, just, I really really don't like this and um don't like you know being disconnected from my home and working on these really big projects i wanted to scale it down and, and start this company but you know on commercial construction we, we'd have rfis and submittals and um and, and you know document and change orders and i noticed when i was in residential construction kind of working through college nobody really did that it was a lot of a handshake or maybe maybe you're lucky an email or something on a napkin um, and it wasn't just being documented and, and schedules weren't being followed. So I just, I know, I don't know any other, other way to do things. And so you know, we do it the right way and we follow that process and it's time consuming, but it really, um, really helps us execute projects smoothly. I, I always wondered why, and that may be an easy answer, but why, why commercial construction is so much more organized, so many more processes and systems. I mean, the easy answer would be money, right? They're, they're much more um, high revenue type projects. Like you said, you were working on hundred million, $200 million jobs. Um, maybe also there's a lot more hands in the pot where you get into the larger commercials. So you get like more of the architects and engineers and things like that. You might have a business, an owner of the building, you're building for a GC and the subs. What's your take on that? Why, why, why hasn't residential, you know, made the same shift to project management software, having a place to do everything, having a system? Well, I, I think that number one, it's the expectations of the industry. Um, you know, commercial construction, um, the expectations have evolved so far with detailed specifications and procedures and manuals and pay applications and all these these large entities that require these things of their contractors. So um, I think number one is the expectations of the client and the expectations of the industry overall. That I see that shifting. I see more companies like ourselves um, evolving because the expectations of the consumer have evolved. Um, I think people are expecting, just expecting more documentation. There's so many more choices. There's so many more different building materials and processes, you know, in the last even 10 years um, that just require, uh, they require mock-ups. They require detailed procedures for installation. Um, Just things have changed so much in that regard. Um, and I think the I think the, the, sh- the industry is shifting to that direction to more contractors like ourselves. And I, I see more and more each day. I just don't think anyone's really 
until the last maybe five to 10 years really even started to apply tools like Builder Trend to our industry that can actually facilitate these things. Um, even a commercial construction, um, you know, just 10 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of project management software out there. Now there's so many more options. So to answer your question, I think that uh, it's really the consumer expectations uh, mainly and just uh, in general, the level of quality and detail required now with all these new uh, products. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this all the time on the podcast that it's got to be a little shocking for a consumer to, if they've never gone through the residential construction process, when they meet a GC and, and they're getting bids on pieces of paper just handed to them for $100,000 projects or change orders are just discussed and then it, there's no record of things. It, it probably is in this day and age with, with everything electronic and you pay everything online and there's DocuSign, um, to, to run into a contractor that doesn't have any of that's got to be a little concerning. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's an advantage for you guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and this, in this day and age, and a lot of what's going on in our industry is you have uh, two buckets of contractors. You have like guys who are really skilled carpenters or skilled um, tradespeople, and they might not be so skilled on the computer side and the, um, you know, documentation side and organizational side. And then you have people that, you know, are really skilled on that side, but maybe not so well versed. So if you can kind of marry those two together, you have a really successful company, um, which is what we're seeing with our company. You know, I'm not a master carpenter by any means. I, I you know, I can do a lot of things, but we hire, uh, we hire better people than me to, to work in the field and, and we're overseeing the operations. It's hard to have someone maybe who is a great project manager and a great carpenter. So you got to be able to separate those things. And in our industry, you're seeing like a generational shift, I think. Yeah, let's talk about your team a little bit because uh, you kind of alluded to it there. I know you're a family-owned business and your wife, you mentioned her earlier, she works with you as well. Well, yeah, a little bit of background. Um, Heather and I and my wife, we met, um, we met about, I think, 12 years ago. And we were both in construction and commercial construction. And uh, she was with an electrical subcontractor managing work. And I was with the prime contractor and we were on a job together. Um, asked her on date, you know, flash forward. We have a couple of kids together. We've been married uh, almost eight years now. And so we always worked in construction. She'd be on one job. I'd be on another job. And uh, we always brought our work home. Um, so when I started this company in 2017, she was always in the background on day one. She was helping us you know, push forward with the financials and, um, and just all the back end stuff while she was doing her other project manager job. And then eventually we grew to the point where it was like, you know, Hey, we need to either hire someone and we'd love to be, have it be you. And, uh, she left her job to join us. So, you know, kind of one of the, you know, things about us is, uh, you know, we've always been in construction. It wasn't like something that, you know, she just picked this job up and learned it. Right. So she was a really good hire from day one. So for our company, she actually runs our operations. I, I kind of stepped away from the day-to-day -day management of our project managers and our projects. I still manage some projects, um, but she's really overseeing our larger projects and overseeing our project managers. And then with that, we also have uh, two other project managers, a uh, construction coordinator and a production manager, kind of overseeing the operations side of the business. Yeah, it's unique. So you're three and a half years in. Typically, we're talking to companies that are six 10, 15 years in business. So, um, you know, for the listeners out there, what are some of the challenges that have been in the first three years? Maybe some things you didn't expect, some you did, or, and kind of, you know, what, what do the next three years look like for you guys? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, some of the challenges coming up from day one is, is, uh, 
we didn't really know where this was going when we started the business and we had a plan, but we didn't know how it was going to take off. It's taken off really quickly. And so it's number one, it's managing growth and managing, making sure we don't grow too quick and, and lose track of things. So we're, we're really trying to dial in our growth and control that and making sure revenue doesn't, you know, gross revenue and profit or uh, projects don't get out of hand and uh, unmanageable. So we really do that by qualifying our clients and making sure that everyone's the right fit. They're a right fit for us and we're a right fit for them. Um, so that's really been actually one of our biggest challenges. Um, another really big challenge we've had and every contractor has is, uh, you know, field, field labor and uh, just trying to get the right guys in the field. There's lots of different people out there, lots of different personalities. And, you know, you get them all when you're in this industry. So that's, that's definitely been a challenge. So when you were setting things up, and maybe this isn't a decision people have to make, but did you make a decision between fully subbing everything out and then hire or hiring? Mm-hmm. Or did you have a plan for that? I mean, what, what does a GC sort of go through? What yeah. are the, the positives or negatives with that? Yeah. So uh, when I was all the commercial companies I worked for in the past, we, we always worked for a lot of union and uh, companies that we self-performed our carpentry work. It's always been important for me to be a builder, uh, maybe not a broker, nothing wrong with being a broker, um, but we want to build stuff. So um, it's important for us to know what we're good at and know maybe what we're not so good at. So we still perform pretty much anything with wood is what I say. So if it's uh, demolishing wood, if it's building, framing, uh, installing cabinets, uh, any kind of carpentry work, um, windows and doors, we'll, we'll usually do drywall to some extent we'll, we'll do almost everything to some extent but we really focus on uh carpentry work so we kind of came to that through a trial and error process uh, over the last few years and settled on that uh, the reason why we do like to self-perform um, really is to be able to control number one control our schedule so carpentry work is always kind of your critical path so it's your demolition your framing your siding your windows um, we're really trying to control that critical path. We, we tell clients we're on time and on budget and we really try to stick to that. Um, and, and also we control our quality. If we just had a job site where it's all run by subs, you know, maybe we don't have someone in house, they're really quality control checking things. So control our schedule, control our quality. And then, um, you know, it also helps us control our costs. Even if you're a GC and you broker everything out, inevitably there's something that needs to get done. You're not going to hire a sub for, are you going to hire a sub to install baseboard on a, you know, 10 by 10 bathroom? Probably not. You need to have someone in house to be able to do those things. Yeah, that's good. You mentioned completing projects on time and on budget. And obviously you've been doing this for a couple of years now. How difficult was it to say, Hey, this is the, the bar that we're setting to and then actually delivering on that. Yeah, uh, one thing I learned over the past few years is when building a schedule, Owners of companies, estimators tend to look at what can I do? What can I perform? It's not what you can do and what you can perform. It's what your team can do. Um, so I learned that, you know, the hard way and getting frustrated when I put two days in a schedule activity and took four days and I could do it in two days. You know, it's, that's kind of the mentality of a lot of estimators and project company owners. So one of the challenges really has with that has been setting uh, manageable expectations on our schedule that allow for maybe a little bit of slippage, but um, reasonable, like, yes, we can do this in this amount of time. You know, there's a fine line between being having manageable schedules and, you know, too much float or being way too aggressive. So just finding that rhythm with our team and what we can perform and how fast we can do it. So did you, I mean, I thought that was a great point. So did you essentially like 
interview the the employees and go through scenarios and or is each project do you ask their their input on how long it's going to take them and yeah where, where did you find that balance so it's really a, it's a trial and error right so you got to have someone working on your team for a little bit of time to understand what their what their production capacity is and how fast they work because you have some guys who will just blow through things and have mistakes and have to go back and redo it. You guys are really meticulous and um, maybe there's not as many mistakes. It takes a lot longer. So um, bringing the guy, bringing the, the crew on um, and, you know, understanding our process. I, I try to get buy-in on the schedule from our team whenever I can. Um, I'll call up our lead finished carpenter and I'll say, Hey, you know, we have this, this bathroom, here's some, uh, some plans. Hey, how long do you think it would install to take to install all the base and crown in that bathroom, get their buy-in on that schedule instead of just giving them, um, durations and same with our trade partners. Um, it's important for us to have them write their durations on their proposals. So if a painter, um, we not only gives us a price, but he also gives us his working days required to complete the project. And that way we're, um, they're giving us their input and we're, um, we're asking for it and we're putting in our schedule. So, but it's also important to be able to vet those things. A lot of times if you ask your painter, how long it's going to take, he might give you a kind of unrealistic duration and you say, really, you know, can you dial that in a little bit? And usually nine times out of 10, they'll say, yeah, you know, I can take a day off that. Okay. You, you had mentioned something that uh, is an industry term, uh, slippage or float. Do you want to go ahead and first maybe just tell everybody what that is in residential construction and then what's your philosophy around that? Yeah. So floats kind of defined as um, a scheduled duration that it can, it can maybe slip a day or two and it's not going to affect the final completion date. When you talk a schedule, you have a critical path and on your critical path, let's say it's framing windows, drywall, any of those activities delay one day or accelerate one day, it's going to move your whole schedule one day, your completion date one day or the other way. There might be activities on there that can float around a few days. So maybe the plumbing fixtures can go three or four days um, in either direction. And it's really not going to affect your schedule. That's that's called float. I'm kind of using slippage as a interchangeable term on that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so uh, I believe Builder Trend just came out with a new feature that actually allowed that to be in the schedule. But it's mm -hmm. important to have float. I guess that's what you just said is like, you know, instead of changing the entire schedule and the end date, you want to give framing, you know, three days on either side of it and building that in. And so I guess the, the follow-up question would be for you, is it always just three or four days or is that part of the process of asking, you know, the, the trade or the employee, or do you just kind of throw two days on everything or what's your well, philosophy? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't have to ask for every single activity of what it is. It's just, uh, you know, we have a lot of experience in our company and what things take. And we've done a lot of similar projects. You, you know, you do one, one, you know, residential kitchen that's very similar. We can go back and look at what that schedule is like um, and, and meet those expectations. So a lot of times we're just building the schedule um, based on prior projects. Um, but if there's a unique item and I have the opportunity to talk to someone about it or have their buy-in, I'll by all means get that buy-in um, in commercial scheduling. Uh, we would have whole schedule meetings. We'd have the whole team on the, in, in the office uh, with post-it notes. And we're, we're starting while our finish date is May 1st. And we have, we have to start on, you know, January 1st. What do we have to do to make this work? And we'll all buy in and we'll get buy in. I love to do that residential construction. We don't always have that opportunity to do that because everyone's kind of pulled a little more thin, but we really try to kind of apply those techniques of, looking at the end date and backing our way into that. And how can we make that end date meet, uh, you know, make that end date. Makes sense. 
So one of the things I think sounds like it sets you apart a little bit is you're you're doing some data analysis. You're looking at how projects previously were performed. I'm assuming you're using technology to do that. Could you share mm-hmm. like how like how did you come up with what to look at? What's the most important thing to look at to make sure that you're continually improving on your process? Yeah, we uh I think it's important for contractors that you really need to keep track of your time, especially if you're um, your self-performing work on a job. Uh, we uh, we use our timesheets. Our our crews actually will code their time to carpentry or plumbing, and then they code it to the job. So if you're not job costing, um, you really should be. Um, so you know, you go, oh, you know what? Let's look at that similar project. We did a bathroom just like that. Let's see how long it took for a framing, how many hours we have. I can tell you the hours of every single project from since we started this company and how many hours for each trade is taken. So I can uh, go back and, and actually and do that analysis uh, at any given time. So it's really important to be job costing if you haven't already. Um, so you can understand that. A follow up on that would be, how did you arrive at that? model of like, you know, we got to be job costing, we got to be watching all this stuff. And then what are you doing specifically in terms of technology to make sure you're staying on top of that? Well, I arrived at that because uh, my wife, Heather, is much smarter than I am and she insisted we do that. So <laughs> there you go. the answer to your question is we needed to do it. She implemented it and uh, we've been doing it since day one. Um, and we also, it's a, also we track it for our workers' compensation and um, it helps us with that and get some lower rates by actually tracking the, tra- the trades that we do instead of coding everyone to carpentry, but doing plumbing one day, you know, we need to code that appropriately. So it helps our workers' compensation rates, but it's just something that um, we've always done since we've had employees. You know, maybe a, a good final question because I know we're running out of time here, but this is something we believe in. I think Tom and I have talked about it since we started the podcast is like, you know, construction is in need of more business practices. You know, it needs to be... St- needs to be a strength within construction, especially residential, so it can uplift the entire industry, in our opinion. Um, let's say you're listening to this podcast right now and you know, you've already got your business started and you're one of those ones on the other side. I'm, I'm a great craftsman. Uh, I lack some business skills. Uh, I want to get better at that side of it. What's your advice? I mean, where do you start? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but that's sort of like where you started this business is taking that approach. So, so what would your advice be? I really, this is a shameless plug for you guys. I really like Builder Trend. I'm really happy with it and how easy it is to use. I've used lots of construction software over the years and Builder Trend is by far the easiest to use. We started off, we didn't, I mean, we use every feature in Builder Trend. There isn't a feature we're not using, but we started off the first year, we were just doing daily reports and schedules and we didn't even touch the financial side of it. If you can just get, uh, get your hands on Builder Trend and just do a basic schedule for your clients and give them a login portal and they can see some daily reports. Anyone can do that from their phone. If you can go on Facebook with your phone, you can use it. You can use Builder Trend, I think. You know, the financials and all that can be, you know, overwhelming. Um, and maybe don't dig in that. Take it in small pieces. Just use little features of it. I've encouraged a lot of contractors in our area to use Builder Trend or similar software to really dig into that and just present that to your clients. Because I think the norm that we're going to in the next 10 years is gonna be expecting some sort of uh, document control and app. I mean, if I could tell clients I have an app for our, our projects, I mean, and I show it to them, they, their mind's blown, right? And so um, there's so much you can do, but just my advice is, is take it in small pieces. 
Good advice. Yeah, that's that's, that's something advice. we talk about when we onboard our clients is not not trying to take it all on. I mean, you need to you need to be realistic. You need to be uh, you need you need to make it fit for the current workflow and employees that you have. The profile of your company, you can't expect to do a one eighty overnight. So yeah. good advice. And I think I think the most important thing you can do as a contractor for your client is not only deliver a schedule at the start of a project with some level of detail, but keep it updated during the project. Because some of these projects might be six months long. We have projects running towards seven months right now, and we update those things every single Thursday. So it's not, it doesn't become a dinosaur and something that's just filed away. It's a living, breathing document. Um, because at the end of the project, you want to have a record of how this went. You know, if it went great, it went great. If it went sideways, well, why did it go sideways? And you're, you should be living and dying by your schedule, honestly. That's great advice. Really good stuff. All right. Well, that's all the time we have, Steve. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your knowledge. I mean, I think if the listeners take one thing away from you, it's that your organization and your commitment to figuring out how to make your process better, that's what's driving the success in your business. So we wish you continued success. Keep hunkering down. Keep finding out those spots that continue to make your business even better because you're doing a great job of it so far. So I think the listeners uh, definitely got some good, good nuggets for today. Thanks, yeah, Steve. You guys on Instagram, where can they find you on Instagram and hit you uh, with a follow? It's uh, Tankersley Construction, uh, T-A-N-K-E-R-S-L-E-Y. Underscore construction. Yep, that's your handle. Go yep. follow them. Some really cool pictures of projects and, and uh, you know support the podcast by following all the guests. Yeah, thank you. That's right. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks, Steve. All right. Take care, guys. Love what you heard? Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast so you can hear from more guests that will benefit your business. Also, please check out our show notes page for more information on what we discussed on this episode. You can find it at buildertrend.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Building Code. Appreciate you.